With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to an emergency edition of Andy Staples on 3. You hear the horns. You know what that means. Something crazy just happened and... Oh, something happened. Nick Saban has retired. We got Jesse Simonson on three national writer. He's at the coaches convention. Maybe Nick Saban's replacements there. We got Tim Watts from Bama online. We're bringing the whole crew on the, the cast of characters. Tim, I will start with you since you have an entire website dedicated to university of Alabama coverage. Sure. Did you see it coming? Oh no, not at all. I mean, I think it's like, Eight, nine, ten years in a row, you've heard the NFL, the NFL rumors switch to retiring. We hear it every year. Never expected it. Didn't really see anything. I mean, recruited his tail off. I mean, not that you'd expect anything different, but recruited great in this class, number two in the country. He was active in the portal. They were interviewing guys this week for the job opening. So, no, I don't know. I never really confirmed anything that this might happen. Now, we heard the rumors. Well, like I said, we always heard the rumor, hear the rumors. But when you see – what he was doing, he acted like a man who was going to be the head coach next year. I mean, he recruited the players' meetings. You know, everything was going on and the job interviews. Yeah, I, that, that's the part with with job openings. But I, I, I don't know. All of these guys will act as if until the moment they they hit that switch. So that makes sense, Jesse. Uh, let's try to put in perspective what we're talking about here. His record at Alabama is two hundred one. And 29 uh, national champions, six times, nine time SEC champions, 206 and 29 at Alabama, 292, 71 and one as a college head coach. He's the GOAT for a reason, Andy. He is the GOAT for a reason. He's an icon. And, uh, you know, this is a this is kind of a watershed moment of where were you when this news dropped? I can tell you being here at the coaches convention, it's wrapped up. I'm one of the last ones here. I'm catching a flight out uh, out of Nashville later tonight. To be here an hour ago, if this news had dropped an hour earlier, to see Dabo Sweeney's face when he left this meeting, I think that that, that would have been uh, all the coaches' reaction. But to see someone like that who has been so well-connected to Alabama, tied uh, to the tide, to see his reaction of, what does it mean to see the guy who has been so legendary in this sport call it quits? Yeah, it, it is amazing to me because, uh, and I see the questions in the chat. I, I know you want to get to who takes over. We'll do that, but let's give the GOAT his due before we do that. This is a guy who took the Alabama job at a time when people were saying, you don't want that job. And he ripped off the greatest run in college football history and maybe in the history of American team sports. Tim, I, I, can you take us back to 2007 when Nick Saban took this job, when Mal Moore, who's the AD at Alabama, goes down to Miami. He's like, I'm not leaving this man's driveway until he talks to me. Yeah, I mean, even then it was almost you had to see it to believe it. You knew who Alabama wanted. 
you had the Rich Rod talks and the you know possible offer and all the stuff that went on. You didn't really believe it. You kind of wanted to believe it. And then Nick Saban basically said, I'm not going to be the head coach at Alabama. And you kind of put it away. And then, of course, he came into Alabama similar to how he's leaving. Just a lot of surprise, you know, I think at the timing of that. But, I mean, he arrived there. You know, I was covering recruiting. I covered a lot of football. But, I mean, instantly that changed. I was covering three-star recruits. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're covering the absolute best of the best. They hit the ground running. They just the change from going to the previous uh, staffs to Nick Saban was just unbelievable. But, you know, even leading into it, there was a lot of doubt at times. I mean, it was kind of like wishful thinking, like, you know, we, that's like your dream guy. That's your dream date. That's who you wanted. Um, and then when you got here, I mean, the, the changes were, you know, instant. One thing that was on that graphic that I think we absolutely should touch on that doesn't, you can't embody it with, uh, you know, a, a championship or coach of the year or just NFL draft picks, but it's that Nick Saban was an innovator, a developer, and an adapter. And I think that's yeah. why he was so successful at Alabama. He was obviously, you know, a phenomenal position coach, DB's coach, and he used that skill set to build one of the best defenses, you know, that we've ever seen in SEC history. But then what he was able to do, you know, adapting Alabama's offenses, kind of coming out of that, like, hey, at first we're going to, you know, pound you into the mud. And then he hires Lane Kiffin and he adapts. And suddenly they're throwing the pill all over the place and they're still winning titles. And I think that just speaks to his excellence and ability to change. So many coaches are so uh, reticent or resident to not change. And that was yeah. not Nick Saban. Yeah. And, and I think that's, Tim, I think that's maybe the best part of what Nick Saban did. I, I have two things. Uh, Tim, I want to throw both of these at you. And you, you tell me which you think was more important. Saban's adaptability or his ability to get 18 to 22 year olds to act in a consistent manner over and over and over again. Cause I think both things are superpowers that you don't see a lot of coaches able to do either one, much less both. Well, the recruiting trail, it's always amazed me, you know, a lot of times coaches can recruit, but at some point you're actually recruiting against yourself when a team pulls out the, you know, here's who's on their roster. It eventually hurts you. Nick Saban's been able to avoid that year after year, top talent, selling kids on play and early, developed them. Again, 49 first-round picks in whatever, you know, 15, 16 years. Unbelievable percentage, like amazing percentage. So bring them onto campus. And like you said, that certain culture that he built there. Now, I still, if you look at his early, you know, you look at the, you know, the A.J. McCarron-led offenses and then look forward to the Tua offenses, his adaptability was amazing. I don't know anybody that ex expected – to see the offensive changes. And I think that's what kind of, you know, to me stands out the most that he kind of went with the flow, changed with the flow of the game. And I mean, you had to see, I mean, the guy's 72 years old, his work ethic is phenomenal. He was all over the road recruiting. You know what a hands-on coach he is. And I think in some ways that might've led to his retirement, even though it's 72, I just don't know if he was able to unwind and unplug and relax. I don't think he's able to go to the beach for two weeks where other coaches are right now. I think he's ready to get right back after it. And I think 72 years, you know, I think we'd all be fortunate to have that energy at 72. <laughs> I, I don't think I could do it at, at 42 and I, much yeah. less 72. And that's, yeah. that's what surprised me is this year seemed to energize him. And, and there were a lot of people, I, I'll, I'll admit I was wrong on this because a lot of people looked at this and said, he is savoring this because he knows he's done. 
And I said, no, no, these guys are energizing him. He's coming back for five more years. But that's the part that when you look back on this season now, guys, do we feel like maybe he was savoring this a little bit? That behind the scenes moment with Kirby that they shared, that's kind of, it was broadcast uh, by the SEC network, I think, at the SEC championship game where the, those two are, are, you know, talking at midfield before the game. And they're, it almost seemed, you know, when you look back at that, I, I posted it on Twitter when the news dropped. When you look back at that, I think that's like, oh, was, was that a, a light bulb moment of maybe a, a little bit of the passing of the baton? Because there was a lot of like, you know, looking back for them on their careers and a lot of appreciation for what both of them had done for each other that I kind of wonder it was like, oh, maybe the guy did kind of have a twinkle in his eye there. Yeah, I mean, he didn't go out with the national championship, but you look at winning the basically the last SEC championship, beating Kirby Smart, Georgia stopping their streak, huge milestones there. Winning the Auburn game, and, you know, it's right there with the kick six at the most. Those plays will be remembered 100 years from now. Winning on that fourth and 31, his moments. I felt, you know, I will say last year I felt he enjoyed the moment as well. You saw him really bond. I think he liked this team. I think he liked the players. I think he felt similar last year. We saw a more sentimental Nick Saban, especially with Bryce Young and Will Anderson, for example. You saw him after they lost and him pulling everybody to the side to say what great people they were. I think there's a certain amount of satisfaction that went with it, but I don't know if he knew at the start of the year this was it. Because, I mean, he easily could have just said, this is it after South Alabama. <laughs> you know, let's yeah. go. Yeah, th this is – this is what's amazing to me because everybody's like, oh, you know, one more national title or one more this or one more that. I always thought with him, it didn't that that wasn't going to drive him because he's never really been a results oriented person. Like he's a process oriented person and and sort of invented the best way of explaining all that stuff and and getting players to buy in and believe in that stuff. And I, I think, you know, I go back to something he told me in, in 2017. I, I was asking him about how long and, and how, how do you keep doing it? And he said, I'll be gone before I let it go down. And basically it was, I will never let this falter on my watch. We will still be good when I leave. And so Tim, I, I want to ask you this. Do you think he saw potentially them not being what they have been? And maybe that's what caused him to, to do this. I mean, I don't see how he could have. He's got three excellent offensive linemen coming back. He's got a great quarterback room. He's number two class in the country. His number one class last year might be the best in the history on paper. You have Caleb Downs. I mean, you know, Proctor, he's got a bunch of young talent. He's recruiting guys in the portal. I don't think there's any kind of letdown. I mean, everybody has some preseason top five. I don't think that played into it. I mean, his roster, if it stays the same for the next coach, is absolutely loaded. You know, it's absolutely loaded from top to bottom. There's talent all over. And, of course, the uh, portal window opens up for 30 days, so there'll be some uncertainty with everything that goes there. But if you're looking at that roster today, I think there's not a coach in the country who would say, no, nah, there's not enough talent for me to win there. So was it a process deal then? I guess, you know, to, to Andy's point about, you know, this is a guy whose famed process uh, has been such a you know, factor in his success. That process now is running up against Tim NIL and the transfer portal. And, you know, again, being at the coaches convention, there was nothing that they could really consensus that they could consensus that they could come on in terms of any rules or, or 
agreement agreements because everybody's kind of existing in their own silo. Is that, do you think, is that what maybe expedited this retirement? The fact hey, that I'll like take- suddenly he's dealing with stuff that he never had to deal with before. This calendar is a clown calendar. I mean, are you kidding me? These are grown men with, I mean, imagine a young coach, 38 years old with two young kids. How often can he see them? I mean, you go through signing day till the 22nd, right before Christmas, you get a short Christmas break, but then you're practicing for the bowl game. You come back from losing a tough game in overtime to Michigan, the eventual national, eventual national champions. And you spend a week dealing with the portal, trying to talk kids out of state and going over that. You go to get a mini vacation. The kids are hitting the portal and all that drama is going on. You got, and I'm talking every coach. You got people recruiting your kids off campus, everything that's going on. And then you come back and you got coaching stuff to fill. There hasn't really been a break. And I talked to one coach, an older coach, who said, you know, the only time of year I really get a weekend with my family, a Sunday. He said, it's, it, it's there's a little bit in a, in a July and there's a little bit in February. But for the most part, I don't really see my family on the weekend. So, and again, you factor in at 72, and it has to be frustrating. He's an old school guy, and you now have kids saying, I need more money to stay as a sophomore. And I'm not saying, I'm just saying in general, he's having to, I mean, basically you need a general manager to balance the budget. You know what yeah. I mean? you got to figure all this out, plus the NIL, like you said. And it's a lot more to this job than it was 10 years ago. If, if there were a centralized governing body of college football, really, because the NCAA is not it, it's it's each little conference is its own fiefdom. If there were a centralized governing body, he'd make a hell of a commissioner because he'd whip it all into shape pretty quick. He'd say, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And, you know, we'll avoid the, the lawsuits. We'll do a CBA. Let's just get it done. And, yeah. like, he's the one I'd nominate for that. But let's, let's figure this Other out. Other coaches guys. would nominate him too, Andy. I had three or four coaches yes. literally this week in Nashville explicitly say we need a college football commissioner it's too bad nick saban is coaching right now because he would be the perfect candidate yeah because wow. it, the adaptability and the intelligence and the kind of seeing eight steps ahead that that w- would make him good for that job if it existed unfortunately it doesn't but let's talk about what what is next for nick saban and then we'll talk about what's next for alabama because I, I know everybody's ready for that nick saban has got to be on espn right got to be on I mean, he's taking over for Corso, right? Uh, that's what I'm assuming. I think yeah. the next announcement we get is is maybe Lee Corso is retiring. That would be that would be something else. I mean, he's got all the Mercedes stuff. You know, I've heard rumors floating around for the last six to eight weeks that one thing he could possibly do was a share in the NFL with the team, even if a minority share, minor, minority owner. That would make a lot of sense with him being involved in that. I mean, basically, college turned into the NFL. He's got some practice here recently. I think that, you know, I just think that for him, I mean, it's not going to be a money motivated thing. He's certainly set there. I don't think it's goal oriented once you quit coaching. I think it's just a comfort factor now. ESPN makes sense on the big games. I don't know if he wants to go in and announce a game or be be on the game, but that pregame show and that stuff on Saturday morning and getting that stuff. You know, you saw the the void this year, although Dan Lanning did a great job. I don't want to imply that. But Nick Saban not being there this year kind of felt a little different and a little empty. And in hindsight, maybe that was a tip. That was a hint that maybe we should have looked at a little bit closer. Cause I don't recall him skipping out on that or not doing that in the past. Yeah, it, it is. It is truly amazing. So uh, Brett McMurphy points out since Nick Saban was hired at Alabama, there have been 54 different sec coaches, not counting interim coaches. And how many of those did he get fired? A lot. A lot. You know? 
Yeah, I mean, a, <laughs> a lot. I used to kid that a college, you know, a college coach's worst nightmare was actually beating Alabama because once they beat Alabama, I feel like the the, the value went up and the fans expected so much more once they beat Alabama, that's hard to live up to. So if they didn't win a national championship, if they mm-hmm. didn't win at all, if they didn't go to the playoffs, I think they were seen as a failure. And we've seen those coaches turned over fairly quickly. Jimbo Fisher's an example. Beat they, Alabama. Well, actually, can we argue, Tim, that the Jimbo Fisher era at Texas A&M peaked when they beat Alabama in college? Absolutely. Season? And I think there's a lot of resumes you can look at that their biggest win was Alabama. And I, th- I just think, like, if I'm a fan of whatever school and you beat – the top team in the country. You're thinking I can beat the top. I expect you to beat them now. I think you start that coach's clock and he better win. You know, I think he better yeah. win because they're looking three, four year window of flipping that coaching staff over. Yeah, it's, it is truly amazing. And he did. He got so many people fired. Like Nick Saban is a job fired. destroyer and a job creator. Yeah, look at this. I mean, you got, you know, I'll miss somebody. We got Sark, Kirby, Billy Napier. I mean, you Locksley. got so many. Loxley, you got so many guys out there, been head coaches, our head coaches, getting promotions, all that kind of stuff, guys that work with him. I mean, his tree's pretty substantial. You know, his tree's pretty substantial. His impact uh, is pretty deep. And I think, really, it'll be three, four, five years from now for we're really able to analyze what all he did because we've been in the moment. We've been watching yeah. game to game, and it doesn't seem as – you know, we're coming – last time we saw Alabama, they're losing to Michigan – but when we sit back three, four, five years from now, you or Jesse got smarter than me. When y'all sit down, write your book or do whatever you do, when you analyze everything, I think that body of work is going to be rather amazing. Oh, it, it is. And all you have to do is think about that for the longest time, the sport was so lopsided and you thought the it would change if he retired or if he decided to go somewhere else, like it would be fair again if Nick Saban wasn't in Alabama. Now, I think that's changed a little bit when we've seen what Kirby Smart's done at Georgia, that it is possible to do something similar elsewhere. But that's for years, for 10 years, we were like, Nick Saban makes the whole sport unfair because he's so much better than everybody else. I That's, that's the part that's amazing to me. Yeah, I mean, so many – go ahead, Jesse. I was I, no, I just it, my my mind, guys. My mind's just spinning with all this stuff. I just think it's crazy. The, the timing of this is is nuts. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of why now. Um, yeah. In in terms of today, or even just in terms of the the, the big picture, the macro macro perspective of of why Nick Saban you know decided to hang it up because he did not, as Tim said, it lo- at least looked like he was slowing down. I mean, the guy signed the greatest recruiting class you know, historically um, a year ago, another top two, three class this past season, you win another SEC championship game. It doesn't seem like he was hitting the brakes at all. Um, And, you know, instead he kind of slammed on them abruptly. And now Tim's going to be in it for the next 30 days because whether it's coaching, you know, whether it's covering a coaching carousel that I think, you know, we're going to touch on here. It's going to have all sorts of dominoes, but just, Alabama, to Tim's point, has one of the best rosters in the country, and there's going to be some folks looking to feast on that thing uh, for the next month or so. Well, and that's why you go get somebody really good and you calm that down. So here's the next question. Who's next? I will throw two names at you guys. Uh, one I've talked to some people about and and imagine – like I feel really good about he's on their list. Uh, another one is just kind of an obvious one. 
So the one who I feel really good is on their list is Mike Norvell at Florida State. He's young. He's in a position where you just saw what happened. So he could go to the school that got the playoff spot that his undefeated team didn't get. So that makes that a pretty easy move if you're thinking about it. But he's young. He rebuilt a pretty tough situation at Florida State. I think he can handle the pressure there. That's one. Dan Lanning in Oregon, another one. Worked for Kirby Smart. Has been under Saban. Actually is from the Norvell tree if we're really talking about what tree he's from. But recruits the way you would want to recruit at Alabama. So I'm going to throw those two out there. You guys tell me what you think about those. And then who else you got? I'll let Watts go first. I think Lanning definitely is like not low-hanging fruit. But I think, I mean, the guy did a terrific job um, of what he's done. He's a young guy. I mean, I know they lost to Washington twice this year. But he's really good. Um, recruits well, understands the South, worked under Kirby, understands Nick Saban. So I think he's a, you know, a no-brainer as far as the guy you're mentioning. You know, obviously Oregon would like to keep him. The one thing I think stands out to me about Lanning is, I mean, I'm not sure anybody's as competitive. Kirby Smart's a crazy competitor, but I think Dan Lanning might have him beat. So I think jumping in this fire, competing with these guys that he's grown up with and grown around, I think he would relish going against Kirby Smart. You know, I think that's one thing that works for him. I hadn't thought about Mike Norvell. I mean, I also haven't thought about anybody other than a few names. But Norvell, unbelievable job he did. He did it with the portal. He's doing it now with the portal, a lot of work. Um, obviously, I think Alabama could be an upgrade for him. I mean, the again, the Seminoles do not want to lose a guy like that. He's a, he's a proven coach who did a great job and absolutely would have been in the playoffs with a healthy quarterback. I mean, that's the one thing about it. If he had a healthy quarterback, they would have kept Alabama out, in my opinion. So both good names. Lane's the one that jumps to mind for most people. In fact, the most texts I'm getting, the most talks we're getting because of the easy connection right there. But I don't think this is as bad. Because, you know, for a five-year window, what do we hear? Nobody wants to follow Saban. Nobody's yeah, going to follow guy. him. They're going to they're turn the job down. That's what they thought. Well, Nick Saban didn't leave like former great coaches left with an empty roster and even going in the portal, they've got time to get them back if you get the right guy anyway. So I think you look at that. I don't. I think the myth that nobody wants that job after saving is absolutely not true. Well, Lanning is expensive. You're talking about a $20 million buyout that's in his contract. There's also some more money that has to be paid, I believe, to get him out of Oregon. Yeah. Because remember, Oregon lost Willie Taggart and Mario Cristobal in rapid succession. So they, they built in that contract to make sure it was going to be extremely difficult to get that guy out of there. So that's why... When Lanning, you know, had some people talking about him earlier this year, he's like, no, I'm good. I'm staying here because he probably thought, oh, Alabama's not opening. So that's the only one I would consider. I would bet it's one he'd consider, though. Uh, the Norvell thing, I, I definitely think he'd consider it. Let me throw out one, another one, a guy who's been at Alabama and he's at a job now that it's a great job. And, and I don't know if you'd leave it for Alabama. What about Sark? See, I would call Kalen DeBoer before I'd call Sark. Okay. I would call Kalen DeBoer, but to your point about Mike Norvell and in terms of finances and expenses, Andy, he only has like a four or five million dollar buyout. So it would not be you know, very cross prohibitive for Alabama to go get Florida State's head coach. Dan Lenning to me seems like the perfect fit. I do think the timing of all this, you know, we kind of have touched on that before. That's going to be interesting. Lanning has done you know, a hell of a job convincing a bunch of Oregon's players to come back for next season to kind of gear up for this all-in on the Big Ten in 2024. He obviously got Dylan Gabriel uh, out of the transfer portal, got Dante Moore out of the transfer portal. 
you know, with that big buyout and then the fact that he's kind of loaded up on this roster, is he willing to kind of leave all that? I think that's kind of a question that's TBD. Obviously, Alabama is a creme to the creme job, but, you know, some folks are going to be having hard conversations because this is January 10th and not December 10th. And Oregon, Oregon's a good job, obviously. You get Phil Knight behind you. You're not looking at the same competition level you're looking at in the SEC, which gets harder. And I'd, I'd probably agree the same thing with Sark. I think from a talent and can they do it standpoint, I think Sark and Lanning make sense. But they're probably pretty comfortable where they're at, you know, probably settled in. Sark seems to have found his groove for sure, you know, and he seems happy there. Lanning, you're right, expensive. That's going to be an expensive price. I'm not sure Alabama's going to be willing to pay it, but – you know, I think Lanning is the guy, like, just on paper, who fits it, who matches up, who's been there, who knows this, and knowing how competitive he is. I think the SEC is kind of – he's kind of an SEC guy, although I think, you know, obviously Oregon's a great program. Yeah, and that's – so let's talk Dabo because everybody's going to want to ask about Dabo. He's a very famous Alabama alum, very accomplished head coach. I think Dabo's closer to retirement than taking another job. Yeah, I think he has not liked the portal. I don't think he's like the NIL. I mean, again, I grew up with Dabo. He's from this area. He's lived in, you know, he's from Pelham, Alabama. He's, you know, he's a local guy. But he's been in Clemson a long time now. I mean, he's probably 50-50 in his life, maybe more so having been in Clemson. But definitely strong vibes in Alabama. Seems to love what he's built there. And the thing about Clemson, that's Dabo's program, right? That's yep. Dabo's program, and he takes a He's lot there, of He's there, Bear Bryant, yeah. Yes, if he opens his mouth, he takes heat, right? If he wears the cert wrong hat, he takes heat. So you're right, he might be closer just getting out of this because if he's not going to bend with the NIL and with the portal, he's not, he's not keeping up with everybody else, I don't think, unless he's just very fortunate with his roster. Well, what about Lane? Just... Oh. Let's let's talk you, you, Lane. You, you know Lane's going to tweet about it like he's involved. I'm not saying oh, he's going to be. And a you know he wants it. Oh, you know he wants it, and you know even though he's done all this yeoman's work in the portal himself, you know that he's going to be out there uh, throwing, you know, baiting, throwing some bait in the water to see if he can get any sort of bites. There's going to be a lot of coaches. I don't think Lane's in this position, but there's going to be a lot of coaches. Yeah. That uh, if you're, at least faux interest in Alabama too. If you're James Franklin, sort of, do you, do you say, "Hey, how about it"? I don't think Alabama fans. Tim Tim can speak for this. I don't think Alabama fans would be too thrilled so, with but... James Franklin. Yeah, I think James did. I think he's pretty good where he's at. I mean, he does have that Nashville connection from when he was at Vanderbilt. He's a pretty good coach. He just you know loses a couple games each year to two top five opponents. Um, I don't think he would be an attractive hire as far as a big name. I'm not sure it's exactly what Alabama's going for. Um, we'll go for in that. I think they're just looking for the next guy that's going to be. I do think Alabama's going to look for a guy that's going to be there for a while. I don't yeah. think they're looking at a guy who's a fast riser headed to the NFL or anything like that. And not saying James Franklin is, but he's been on the move before. A lot of rumors about him. I do think they'll be posturing. I do expect mm. people who didn't get an offer to turn this job down. You remember that used to be very popular. Oh, yeah. I would, get yourself I was a raise. Talking, I'd be talking to sources about the offensive coordinator position. They hadn't mentioned anybody. And then I look up and he's turned down the job on Twitter. You know, like, I'm not interested. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like what, what just happened? So um, I do expect some of that, some of that posturing. You want to look like you're in the mix. You certainly don't want to look like Bama didn't even look at you, you know, if you've got a connection yep. here. I, that's I what, a, that's what, Tim, that's why Urban Meyer is going to throw his name into the ring. Oh, yeah. This is one he would actually take, <laughs> yes. but I don't think yes. they'd be interested in him. Uh, here's one. 
Let me throw this one out at you. This guy just got fired yesterday. Shouldn't have been fired, but Mike Vrabel. I know everybody I thinks he's one of the Pete Patriots. Carroll. Oh, no, no, no. That, I, that, that be, one. That's that, wow. Yeah. But Vrabel <laughs> is a younger guy. He's been a college coach before. He was a very good recruiter when he was at Ohio State. I don't know that he'd do it. I think probably he's going to get another NFL head coaching job, and I don't know that I would want to deal with all the, the stuff you have to deal with in college if you can be an NFL head coach. That said, I would at least call him if I'm Greg Byrne and ask. Uh, Tony asks, what about D'Amico Ryans? That's Alabama grad. I don't think D'Amico Ryans is going to leave the Houston Texans that he just turned around in one year and took to the playoffs. I just don't, I don't think he's leaving. I don't know it's the Dan Campbell a, corollary. Yeah. If you, it's the if Dan Campbell corollary. Yeah. If you're an NFL coach, are you dying to come to college right now? I mean, Nico's probably not in college. Fantastic coordinator, fantastic head coach, motivator, low recruit. I remember when he was recruited at, you know, he's from Bessemer, not a lot of offers, went to Alabama, all American, great career, obviously knows what he's doing. Do you get yelled at if you mention Deion Sanders? You know, I know. No, that, let's talk to Deion. We got I mean, you. I think you. This is you too. I mean, seriously, I'm not. I know <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at by somebody. But Deion and Nick Saban are extremely close. This is a fact. They are extremely close. They, they do a lot of athletic commercials. Deion didn't even light him up when Nick Saban called him about about the NIL last year. That's how close they are. I don't think it's doable. But does he get an interview? Did he get his name in the mix or anything like that? Just if Nick Saban has a, you know, has a has a vote, does he get interviewed or anything like that? Not that I think he would interview for the job, but I don't feel he's locked in for Colorado for life. So I think it's worth yeah. mentioning his name when we're mentioning everybody else's name. As far as discussing it, I think he's as likely as Lane Kiffin. <laughs> what <laughs> position does the Aflac Duck get in the in the staff? If because Nick Saban gets some sort of emeritus role, and then Dion comes in to be the head coach, and the Aflac Duck has to be somewhere in there. Yeah, how does the commercial go if, if Dion is the coach at Alabama and Saban is no longer? How does that commercial work? Saban's see, the just problem sort of is, hanging around. I can write the commercial right now. You the know, problem is, to, the problem is though, Tim, is that uh, Alabama fans are going to be pissed that the only time you ever see Dion Sanders not in Alabama is in an Affleck commercial because he's not going on the road recruiting like Nick did. And that, oh. that I think some Tide fans would be pretty upset about that. I'll tell you what, the first four games of the year, this is a bona fide fact. I had I had dozens of Alabama fans saying, I hope Dion replaces Nick Saban. Now, none of them, when I text them right now, when we get off this, will admit that to me. But I remember <laughs> that because nobody remembers the excitement of the first four weeks of that Buffalo season. Yeah. But I had a lot of people that were into that hype. But I think you're more on the lines with the Dan Lanning, Norvell's types. I mean, big name guys that'll stay for a while. Uh, Vrabel's a great coach. Again, I, I think probably an NFL guy did a good job. I, I don't see how he doesn't have other NFL opportunities, to be honest. I, I think so. So, like, he may be replacing Bill Belichick. And it's it's interesting. I was talking to our producer, River, just yesterday about how do we localize if the Patriots part ways with Bill Belichick? Because he's you know, the greatest of all time in that sport. Would it be, it'd be like Nick Saban getting fired at Alabama? And we were just like, well, that'll never happen. It didn't happen. But he did leave on his own. And now here, here we are trying to figure out how do you replace the greatest of all time. And we've ha we've seen these job, you know, guy after the guy situations before. Like everybody knows Ron Zook <laughs> as the guy after the guy. And, you know, Jimbo Fisher, probably the best guy after the guy because he actually won a national title. But Bobby Bowden's tenure had declined. This is a case where Nick Saban is leaving where they just made the playoff. 
Yeah. Charlie I mean, Strong. Yeah, at Texas. Yeah. Yeah. But, so but Mac had declined too. You know, I sure. wanna, you know, a bigger question for me down the road is how involved is Saban in this next coaching search? Mm -hmm. you know, what what is he gonna have? You know, what say so will I mean not say so, but how involved will he be? Will he just walk away? Will he be helping Alabama with this? Um, I would think that Nick Saban would want to have some say so or at least some opinion on who's replacing him and taking over, just like selling your, you know, your your favorite, your 63 Corvette. You want to make sure it's going to the right owner. It's probably a bad analogy, but I still like it. But you get that guy and maybe he wants to have a, you know, help. And I think people, like you said, the coaching world respects him. So I think Alabama would be wise to listen to him as well if he wants to be involved. Yeah, it, it is. This is going to be the most scrutinized coaching search probably since the last time Nick Saban got this job. And that was only because it was so protracted. And Rich Rod did take the job, by the way, for those who don't remember. He took the job. His wife told me she bought a red dress for the press conference. And then he changed his mind and went back to West Virginia for what was going to be a really special season. And then they lose to Pitt. And he goes to Michigan the next year. But that was going to happen. And I, that's one thing I, I don't think people remember. And Tim, you can you can take us back to that period. Like Mal Moore was in a bad spot. Like he had to get Nick Saban or else. Yeah, especially after that. I remember his wife calling into the local radio station one night mad because the Alabama fans were ripping uh, ripping on Rich. That was a very wild time in the media. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, when you look at you look at every option on the table, when you look at how, I mean, I still can't get over how this went down. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see and I heard again 50 times people said he was retiring, but I can't get over the fact of everything he did was setting up for next year, including the team meeting today where Charlie Potter, our team guy, confirmed it was just a normal meeting. So I'm not even sure how many people knew. I mean, I have a lot of people texting me going, how long did you know? I had no idea um, that Nick Saban was retiring. That, that's the part. I mean, and usually that's how these things get out is there's a there's a team meeting. Chris Lowe broke it. Now, for those of us who know Chris Lowe, Chris is is the Nick Saban whisperer. Uh, yeah, he's the guy, the guy in the media that Nick Saban trusts the most. And, uh, you know, I, Chris helped me so much in my career. Like, I understand exactly why he's he's the guy you want to tell your secrets to uh, and you trust with the with the sensitive information. So I, I get that completely. But it is a uh, it. it it's amazing because you always wondered what this day was going to be like. And it feels somewhat anticlimactic. Like, oh, my God, it's over. Maybe And maybe it's just because we're just trying to process this in, re in real time. I think yeah. that's what it is, Andy. I think it's, it th I think it's, it's just such kind of shock. We're, I think it's just a shock to the system. Who had on their bingo card that Nick Saban was going to retire before Jim Harbaugh either left Michigan or re-upped? You know the news. The news out of Ann Arbor. Everyone's waiting on news out of Ann Arbor, and yet it's 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 in Tuscaloosa where uh, the, all the eyes of the college football universe now um, are, are squarely centered on. Yeah, it, it is. It is truly amazing. So we'll 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 see that coaching search. Let's go back to to the Nick Saban tenure because it, it's what a riot it's been. He takes over in two thousand seven. They lose to Louisiana Monroe, and you think the world's going to end. And then they put together what might be the greatest recruiting class of all time with that 2008 recruiting class, unless the 2017 one is. But that 2008 one just changed the whole fortunes of the program, Tim. 
Oh, yeah, that was wild. I mean, you come in, and again, they finished. I mean, you look at the pieces. One thing that's kind of missed with, with Saban is they left. The Shula era left some very important pieces on what would be that, you know, that groundbreak, you know, that, that team next year that challenged Florida, led in the fourth quarter before losing the chance to play in the championship game. They had Andre Smith and Rolando McClain. Rolando was obviously on the 2009 national championship team. But that 08 group, I mean, Nick Saban came in, Alabama, and had a lot of trouble recruiting in Mobile, Alabama. Oddly enough, they had trouble because Nick Saban at LSU was getting everybody in Mobile, Alabama. So as luck would follow, and I've said this several times, Nick Saban's just not great at his job and a hard worker. He's also lucky. His first year in the state of Alabama recruiting, he has an epic in-state recruiting class led by Julio Jones. So he walks in, locks those guys up, made them all priorities, put them together. I mean, you look at that list. It's just a list of guys that – that were unbelievable that later went down the road and played. I mean, and, and little things, you know, again, saying not lucky, but fortunate. He happens to know Mark Ingram and Mark Ingram has a son named Mark Ingram. <laughs> Jr. Go on to win the Heisman. I mean, the connections there almost, you know, for him to, to turn these tables, just super impressive on top of the work ethic. He took it. He took advantage of every opportunity he had, especially on the recruiting trail. Well, Jesse, I know you got to go, so we'll say goodbye to you. But uh, yeah. what, one final thought. One, what's your favorite memory of the Nick Saban era? Uh, I, I mean, with, with my mind's again racing with all this stuff. I, I think the fact that he, uh, again, his adaptability to come back. And so everyone, you know, how many, you know, old takes exposed, you know, cold takes exposed of folks writing about the death of the Alabama dynasty and for him to only <laughs> come back and every time win again. Now he didn't win this time, so maybe folks, will, 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 you know, will say they finally got one right. Um, yeah, a, a clock is, is right twice a day, but most of the time, folks continued to doubt for whatever reason the goat. And time and again, he would just come up and his team would win another championship. So remarkable career. Hat tip to a guy. It's going to be a wild next thirty days. I'm going to catch a flight home and 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 see you guys on the other side here we'll be talking about this a lot jesse so have fun sure. and travel safe tim you and i Let's need see. to talk All right. hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Nick Saban, favorite Nick Saban memory. So I'll give you one. I'll give you one. 2012. You know how they do the, the So for those who don't know, Nick Saban does his radio show every Thursday night. And they do it from a sports bar. It's, it's bomb hours now. Uh, I think it was a Buffalo Wild Wings on McFarlane at this time. And so they have a media guest every time. And it's basically someone who can help fill some time while Nick runs around and signs autographs in the crowd. But the person gets to ask Saban some questions. And so this is the first time I've been asked to do it. It is the Thursday before the Texas A&M game. Johnny Manziel, in the midst of his Heisman season, is coming to Tuscaloosa. Tim, I, I'm not going to lie. Nick Saban predicted exactly what would happen in the game that Saturday, the one they lost. And I remember it, it was, it was eerie because he kept saying all these different things and 
on Saturday, they happened. And I remember at the end of the night, at the end of the show, I shake his hand and I say, good luck on Saturday. And he goes, we're, we're going to need it. And it was just like, it was amazing how accurately, because he said, he started talking about yard ball, which is what he calls it when the quarterback runs around and everybody does a scramble drill. And, and that, it, like the touchdown to Ryan Swope, he basically spelled out how it happened on Thursday night. And it was just, it was, that was when I knew he's so far ahead of everybody else. And he was already recruiting to try to stop offenses like that. But it was, in fact, there was, there was a, who was the, there was a linebacker that they were recruiting that they brought as an official visitor that day. And he looks out and sees the, you know, Dante Hightower and giant linebackers. And he's like, I don't look like these guys. And they're like, we know that's why we need you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it was Dante. It was, it was another big linebacker that day. Yeah. I remember having to ship that, you know, they're his roster from those big burly guys, the big defense yep. belt linemen, the big linebackers. I mean, if you look back, like everything got so quicker and changed also for a defensive minded coach, that might've been a little hard too. I think he enjoyed the offense, but I think at the end of the day, it was always about defense for him. And now you're looking up at defenses with six defensive backs on the field. I mean, the guy saw so much change during his coaching career, going back to Michigan State, going to LSU, and then in Alabama, just in that window, again, his offense, the 2011 offense that beat LSU in the national championship game, lost 9-6 to six in Tuscaloosa. You compare that to that Tua offense where, you know, it was one pass and a touchdown, 28 nothing in the first quarter. To see that adjustment, I never I never would have expected it. I've, I would have guessed he would have retired before he ran that kind of offense. Uh, but he obviously, you know, obviously he did. And my moment to me really that sums him up was probably the Auburn game. When the pass is thrown, he kind of leaned like, oh, I see it. You know, he leaned a little bit like, oh, I see it. Oh, touchdown, go for one. You know what I mean? Like, he <laughs> just reminded me of just like, like he thought, yes, like he thought, hey, we got a shot. And when that ball went in the air. Fourth and 31. <laughs> yeah, he's like falling. Remember, he's leaning. He's like, oh, I think it's there. Oh, we got it. Go for one. Like two was an option, you know. <laughs> Like, imagine he'll come out and go for two. So, uh, shocking, I think, today. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, – from the sports world, this is a very shocking uh, moment. And it happened again. You know, it's not going to be like if Belichick retires today or Pete Carroll, you know, gets fired. They were on a steady decline. I mean, Nick Saban was in the college football playoffs. They were one-fourth and three stop from being in the finals, uh, you know, in the national championship game. They got the number two class in the country. They just brought in two five-star portal guys to go with the number two class. So there was no decline. Yeah, it, it really wasn't. Uh, Tim, I got to give you my favorite Nick Saban sideline moment. And, and it came after my favorite Nick Saban call. So this was the national title game after the 2015 season. So first Alabama-Clemson national title game of three. And it was the one Alabama won. And... Saban is watching Deshaun Watson just destroy his defense, which was a really good defense that year. And eventually he decides, I have to steal a possession. And he'd been watching them. He noticed on film all year, Clemson set up returns the same way, where everybody flowed to one side of the field so they could set up a wall for the return man to come around. So they would be on one side. And so Alabama kicked it deep multiple times in that game. Notice they did the same thing every time. So he calls for the sky kick, and it is executed perfectly. It was Marlon Humphrey 
who, yeah. who caught it. Now, Marlon Humphrey never caught it when they were practicing it, but he got it here. And the smile on Nick Saban's face after that worked was my is probably my favorite moment of Nick Saban's career. When he smiled like that and the TV camera caught him, it was like that is probably the happiest moment of his life because he it saw it, he executed it, it worked. It's the perfect storm of everything Nick Saban's about is that play. Yeah, you know, for me, I think the moments I remember the most are the intense moments. I remember the national championship and getting Gatorade and the bucket hit him in the head and how irritated <laughs> he was. I remember him spanking A.J. McCarron. You know, one of the one of my moments where I've you know, known some of these Bama assistants was seeing him go down the sideline to yell at a coordinator, often Kirby or whoever it was, and just basically say, what the heck are we doing? And then them kind of getting a little mini more argument than storming off. I, I like the intensity. You know, I felt the intensity this year was entertaining. I mean, I, I do like that he enjoyed it and he finished it this way. I'm looking forward to hearing his explanation on what went into it when he decided this to happen. Um, did he wake up? Did he decide when he got back and something, you know, trigger this? But I, I mean, I do think in hindsight, it's this, and I mean, look, if, Nick Saban has the energy of a 38-year-old head coach at any Power 5 school, but I know a lot of coaches are struggling with the timing uh, that you have to commit to the to college coaching jobs right now. Yeah, and I'm sure the changes in the game had something to do with this, and we kept asking about it. We kept saying, is, is this going to drive you away? And he, he wouldn't let on, and you ask people around. Like, I asked Kevin Steele, before the Rose Bowl, I said, what the hell would Nick Saban do all day? And he just sort of laughed and said, I have no idea. Well, we're about to find out because Nick Saban is retired. Alabama needs a new coach. And Tim Watts, your site, Bama Online, is going to be hopping. So if you're not already subscribed to Bama Online, if you're a Bama fan, get your butt over there right now. Get yeah, on that message board. Hey, I'd like to remind you, Terry and Arnold just said a week ago that Nick Saban's going to die on the field. So I don't think – now everybody's going to say they knew this. But I still think it's it's pretty shocking, and I do yeah, agree he, with Je Jesse standing in the uh, a lobby somewhere, completely looking dazed. You know, yeah, <laughs> like well, Jesse's and, like and I, and he's I'm at the coaches' convention, so they're all like those guys were leaving today. That they have the FBS coaches meeting on uh, the Wednesday, so that's what was today, and so those guys were all getting that news. It's like what the what in the world? Imagine if that would have happened while that convention was going full blast. Whew. That could just oh. cancel the convention. Anybody who might remotely be a candidate would have flown right home because you, you, it's an, it's bad enough when you're a sitting head coach and you're at the convention and everybody's looking for a job from you. If you if they think you're going to get the Alabama job, you're just going to be overwhelmed. So, Tim, I know you got a lot of work to do. Thank you so much for the time. We will be following along at Bama Online. Follow with us at On3. Subscribe right here to the On3 YouTube channel. Subscribe to Bama online if you are a Bama fan because that is all the best Alabama coverage, all the insider dirt. This is going to be the biggest story in college football this year. And uh, now we find out who Bama hires next. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. We'll be talking soon. See you, Andy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.